John chapter 5. Like father, like son. You know, I've been, I talk to people all the time that, you know, he's not just a man, but he's the lion of Judah. You know, Isaiah calls him Emmanuel, which is God with us. Uh, Isaiah calls him our heavenly father, the prince of peace. He calls him the wonderful counselor. Peter, when he testified, he said, who do men say that I am? They said some people or whatever like that. He says, but who do you say that I am? And just that declaration alone, that thou art the Christ, the Mashiach, the son of the living God. The reason in John chapter five, later on, if you get home and you continue to read it, the reason why they wanted to kill Jesus is because he was not saying that he's our heavenly father like you and I do. That's my heavenly father. No, he is literally saying that he is the son of the most high God or God placed him in Mary and he just, he's wrapped up. And they said, well, that makes you God. And they said that he blasphemed and that's the reason why they wanted to kill him. All right. But he says, I know you don't believe who I am, but what about the works that I do? What about what I do? I mean, my father does the same thing and I do the same thing. Let's read a little bit here today. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, uh, powerless or helpless people. That's what that impotent means there. Of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. All right. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time, he said unto him, you want to be made whole? The impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another step of down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Jumping over to verse 19. You got to turn your page, turn your page. If you're in your phone, scroll down. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do for what things soever he does also these also does the son likewise for the father loves the son and shows him all things that himself does and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel for as the father raises up the dead and quickeneth even so the son quickeneth whom he will let's stop right there there's a lot in chapter five. Like I said, if you want to know the reason why they killed Jesus, just keep on reading. All right. They just didn't not like you at school. There's a reason why they didn't like you. There's a reason why they ran their mouth. on you. There's something about it. And there's something about Jesus. And John, who was an eyewitness, explains it to you. But today we're talking about Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our God, who heals us. And remember, the children of Israel smooth just came out of bondage. They just left Egypt, all right? Crossed through the Red Sea, which means they were baptized into Moses, all right? They're on their way to the mountain. 
They came upon some water. They were thirsty. The water was bitter. Moses prayed. The Lord said, hey, take that stick, throw it in the water, and the water became sweet. And that's what he proclaimed to the children of Israel. I am the Lord your God that heals you. Before, we even get, before I even give you the Holy Spirit, before I do anything, once you get saved, the Lord wants you to know that he is the one that heals you. And maybe physically you look okay, but emotionally you ain't okay. Sometimes psychologically you ain't okay. And sometimes in your soul, you ain't okay. All right? You look good on the outside, but on the inside, sometimes the mental and physical and emotional and spiritual abuse that you went through in Egypt was just too much to bear. And when the Lord brings you out, yes, you're with the women playing the tambourines. Yes, you're with the men high-fiving like you just scored a touchdown. But the Lord needs you to settle down. And when you get finished celebrating and all that, he wants you to know that he is the Lord, your God, that heals you. All right? This place right here is another place where Jesus heals somebody. There's an impotent man, which means that he's powerless and helpless. Just like when People came out of slavery in the United States. They walked out of there with the clothes on their back. They had no shoes, some of them. They had nothing. They had no money, no nothing. It wasn't like the children of Israel when they left out and they borrowed some money from the Egyptians. They came out with some diamonds, some gold. They left out of there with nothing. And people told them, you need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps like we did. Well, they didn't pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. The government helped people. They gave them land. They gave them money. They taught them how to farm. They got them to a place where they could begin to make money for themselves and be self-sufficient. But when these natives came out of slavery, they did nothing to help them. Not too long ago, you guys, some of y'all don't remember Martin Luther King. You weren't even born when Martin Luther King was around. But it's less than 100 years ago. All right? If they didn't assassinate him, he would still be alive today. People got a right to vote. I know you don't know this. You're not far removed from coming out of some crazy stuff. That's why we got a lot of things that happen in our community that we don't know why it's happening in our community. But when you come out of slavery, all right, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God, first of all, has to get you to stand up. Teach you right from wrong. God teaches you right from wrong. Nobody else is going to come teach you right from wrong. God will teach you right from wrong. All right. There's a man that's impotent here. He cannot put himself into the pool. But just like we were talking about in the other scripture a couple of weeks ago, the power to heal is present. Anytime Yeshua is there, anytime he is present. The power to heal each and every one of us is there. Everybody in the room sees something different and they hear something different. Just like these people right here. There was many people at the pool of Bethesda. Why did he choose one person? There was many widows, it says, in the time of Elijah. But he only took care of one. When you start going back through scripture, you say, Lord, why? Did you only do one? Everybody in the room is hearing the same thing. But everybody responds to the word differently. Some people in their heart reject it. 
It talks about also that Satan, even while the person is sitting there and they're hearing it, is snatching it out of their heart. And some people, when they leave church and they have the word, when they get home and they get back into the same nonsense again, the word is just choked or it just it can't produce life because of the situation that's going on. But some falls on what good ground, doesn't it? And the next thing you know, something starts to happen in your life. Well, Jesus comes along to this man and he asks him a question. Do you want to be made whole? And I thank the Lord that he's still the head of the church. He's, it's, it's he that walks through the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know you're like, man, what does that mean? Well, that's the symbolic of the Holy Spirit. When you begin to study the tabernacle or the temple, the only light inside of there is the seven golden candlesticks. And don't let the light go out. That's what he commanded the priest. Don't you let that light go out. They had to make sure that that thing stayed lit. All right. And but Jesus, when you start seeing the revelation, he said, I'll snatch that candlestick out your chest. Keep on running off with the mouth. <laughs> All right. He'll move that candlestick out of its place. And then how can you see? But he asked that man, he says, hey, do you want to be made whole? But the impotent man or the helpless man or the powerless man answered him and said, I have no man. I have nobody. And sometimes you feel like that in your life. I have nobody to help me to get my healing. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, somebody else steps down and they get the blessing and I leave with nothing. The man didn't know who he was talking to, but he believed that when that angel troubled the water, that if he could just get in that water, if listen, if they gave him the opportunity, everything would change. And sometimes today we're saying, why is that person over there blessed and I'm not blessed? But Jesus is still present here today. And the power to heal is present. And Jesus said unto him, he didn't get no more into the questions and things like that. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked in on the same day was the Sabbath. We're not worried about the Sabbath today. It's nice to do good on the, on the Sabbath. If somebody got healed and they had to drive home or walk home or carry something home, I'm shouting all the way with them. All right. People had a problem with this because they fully just did not understand who Jesus was. All right. When we look at verse 19, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? When we look at verse 19. This is powerful right here. This is powerful. Then answered Jesus and said to them, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself. When Jesus came down here, he put on flesh and blood just like you and I. Remember, Satan said you can't do it like God. You can't come down here and just, you know, move like you move in glory. Remember, he said, I came from up there down to here. John testified, said, hey, man, we have we never had anybody come from glory down here. It's always somebody from here trying to make their way up. So what that man saw, and what that man has been through. Yo, we need to listen to what he's saying. So Jesus comes from there, down there, places himself in a woman. All right. Puts on flesh and blood just like you and I, because he's got to play the game the way right. Satan has to be able to tempt him just like us. So he puts on flesh and 
Now he knows what you and I go through. Now he knows what it feels like to be tempted. Now he knows what it feels like to cry. Now he knows what it feels like to be his heart broken. He has such, he knows what it is to have compassion. He saw this woman who was just bawling her eyes out because her, her husband had died the year before. And then she just lost her son. And he is walking through this town and he looks over because he's God and he sees her and he sees her crying. All of a sudden he starts tearing up. You ever have compassion or something? Ever watch a movie? Old Yeller, you know, I talk about Old Yeller all the time because everybody cried on Old Yeller. How many people got a dog? I got a couple of them running around. And you know if something happens to your dog, you know your little, little Benji. Y'all remember the movie Benji? Some of y'all ain't old enough to know Benji. But if something happened to Benji, you know, people are like, why are you crying? That's my dog. They don't understand the relationship between you and your dog. They don't understand, you know, you laying on the couch and you trying to figure out life and oh, you feel all this licking on your face. You're like, yo, man, stop the licking. And your dog is trying to cheer you up. Your dog is trying to say, hey, man, listen, I know that you don't understand dog language, <laughs> but it's going to be OK. And then look at your face. It's going to be OK now. And you're like, leave me alone. I just want to sit here, man, and I'm going to mope all day long and I'm going to feel down. And they're like, no, let's go outside and play catch. I'm not playing catch with you today. Do you understand that I'm not in the mood? Go on somewhere, Benji. And they're like, no. And they just keep diving on your father. You get up and say, all right, let's go outside. Next thing you know, you're playing with your dog. And your dog is like, yo, man. Next thing you know, you're like, you know, everything's going to be all right, Benji. And Benji's like, I told you that. I don't speak your language, but I speak licking on faces, fetching balls. Your dog is never worried. My dog, Reepo, is not worried about nothing. I come home and say, Reep, the plane's just flew into the tower. She's like, ooh, do you have any kibbles and bits? Can we go outside and play? I'm like, do you realize that this is, this is going to end everything? And she's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Your dog will always let you know when it's the ending. Because they'll run first. <laughs> I have to ask my dog, what are you running for? And sometimes I got to run. Because I watch a lot of scary movies. I'm not going to be the one standing there during Halloween this year talking about, what are you running for? And I'm not walking towards the door. If my dog runs, I'm running with my dog. I'm looking back like, and if my dog stops, then I'll stop. My dog keeps running. I guarantee you, I'm running with my dog. And then when my dog stops, and I'm like, okay, what did you see? And if they start walking back, then I'll go back. But they like, don't, don't, don't go back there. And it happened to me one time. I came home, and y'all know I talk about, in, in the country it gets real dark. We don't have lights. Like, y'all, who lives in the city? Anybody live in the city? Anybody live inside Pittsburgh? Y'all do? Y'all got lights, right? Who lives in the country? Let the lights go out. Matter of fact, let the sun go down. After a while, you're like, let's go inside, everybody. Because you start hearing noise that weren't there when the sun was up. And my dog, one time, I was out there barbecuing and everything, and I decided, hey, let's eat outside. man. I fixed her something. I fixed myself something. And there was this noise that I was like, what is that? And she grabbed her little piece of meat and went to the door and was like, hey. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Where are you going? She's like, hey, Dad, come on. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, just go on inside. <laughs> and I'm not the person that's going to be in the movie questioning or walking towards the noise. Now, y'all can do it all you want to. I'm not doing it. You can call me scared, but I'll always be the guy on the news saying, AJ was my friend. I'm always going to be, I, always, I got all my papers in order in case... Y'all die like, you know, from Bigfoot or something? I got my script ready. 
to talk about how you were a great friend. <laughs> we went to school together. And I heard that noise. And I went inside to pray. And he stayed outside. <laughs> Hold on. And this, I got a little thing right here. Note says, start crying right now. And I, I got my stuff figured out. So if y'all get some, y'all play Halloween. How many days to Halloween? Hmm? Y'all know what day it is. Mm. I am ready. I am ready. And, and, and if y'all are like, if you're able to look back, I'm telling you, I'm probably one of the best testimony people for you. I'll tell everybody your life story, how kind you were, but how you just always responded to noises and you would always go towards the noise because you were brave. You were really brave. And I'll tell people how brave you were. All right. I'm always going to live to tell the story. I got my script for you. I don't know which one of y'all it's going to be, but I got all of y'all names written on a piece of paper. Even if Kiana, I got a, I got a note for Kiana too. She was just a special child. So full of future in life. But she always ran towards the noise to help other children. Where were you at, Mark? I, I went inside to pray. Being a preacher, my job is to get a prayer through. Not to be outside trying to throw hands. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal. I got all my stuff laid out. Amen? Amen. So I'm just telling you all that right now. Y'all can either be with me or y'all can be against me. But I guarantee I'll have more people inside praying with me this Halloween than uh, the previous Halloweens. So here in verse 19, Jesus starts to talk about everything that he sees his father doing. That's what he does. A lot of people don't know who Jesus is. They think he's just a man. But I'm here to tell you today it's somebody else. He says, and listen, like I said, if you keep reading through the end of chapter five, he tells that the reason why they want to kill him, he says, no, that's literally I just left my dad's house and I came down here. But everything I see my father doing, that's what I do. He says, for the father loves the son and shows him all things that himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So I started thinking about that the other day. How much stuff did the father do? Has anybody ever looked at it? We know we talked about that. I love Sunday school because it says he's the Lord our God. He changes not like he never changes. So, you know, we got this thing over here, Genesis to Malachi. You know, a lot of things happen from Genesis to Malachi. So if Jesus really is the son of the most high God, father like son, right? Do they say that about y'all? Mama like daughter, daughter like mama, father like son. Do they say that about you? Are you just like your dad? Are you just like your mom? Do you do dishes like your mom? Do you cook like your mom? Do you mow the grass like your dad? Are you like your dad? Do you think like your dad? If your dad goes out and works on the car, do you go work on the car with your dad? If your mom is in there cooking, do you say, Mom, let me, let me throw down with you a little bit. Girl, you don't know what you're doing. Huh? Do y'all do that? Well, Jesus said the same thing that my dad is like, I'm like. And he says, you know what? And I have the power to do exactly what my dad says. Anytime I want to, I'll just do what my dad does. And I started looking it up. I started looking at, let's see here. Y'all remember Genesis chapter 20? And you don't have to stay there. If you have your phone, you can always, having a phone in church is awesome nowadays. I know folks will get mad at you if you had a phone in church. But if you have a phone now, you can literally jump over to Genesis chapter 20. But there's a story there about Abimelech. Abimelech made a mistake and he took Abraham's wife, Sarah. And what God did was God went ahead and said, you know what, man? 
He shut all the women down where the women couldn't have children. That's what he did. The Lord just shut it down. He says, you know what? Nobody's having children. So the women were wondering why. Why are we having any children? Well, Abimelech didn't know that Sarah was Abraham's wife. He did it by accident. He took her into the palace and everything like that. And the Lord shut everything down. Nothing was prospering. So women were barren. And then the Lord says, Abimelech a dream. And he says, hey, man, you know, I was thinking about killing you, but I figured I'd kind of tell you what's going on. And the king was so upset with Abraham. He said, man, what'd you do this to this for? And Abraham said, well, I thought you were going to take my wife and all that. He's like, man, you're crazy. But God had shut the place down. Nobody was getting paid. Nothing was happening. This is the first time the father did something. Then we got Numbers chapter 12. Moses' sister. She got upset with Moses because Moses did something wrong. She didn't get upset for no reason. You ever get upset with one of your brothers or sisters? Like, you know, mom and dad said, don't do that. Now you're running your mouth and things like that. And then the Lord came down and said, hey, Moses is my friend. And Miriam, you're going to have leprosy. And Miriam was placed out the camp because she came very sick with leprosy. Exactly what happened. And Moses, he went to the Lord and said, hey, man, listen, you know she's right. And the Lord was like, listen, man, I'm going to deal with you personally. Just keep your mouth off, folks. You ever have somebody all up in your business? The Lord says, you know what? I'm going to deal with you, and I'm going to deal with you, and I'm going to deal with you, but you need to see your way out of it. And then Moses said, could you please just don't kill my sister? And the Lord said, well, she's going to be outside the camp for seven days just because of you, but on the eighth day, she'll be healed, and I'll bring her back in. She had leprosy. Next thing you know, we got Hannah. Remember Hannah? Hannah read the story about Abimelech and how the women were barren. She was barren in her life. She couldn't have a child. Nothing was going on in her life. She would cry all the time. People would make fun of her, bully her. And then they went to uh, Passover one day. And while everybody else was doing their thing, she went up to the temple. And she began to pray. And she said, Father, I know what you did when Sarah was in that foreign land, how you were one that healed the women. She said, I need a healing. She said, I want to have a child. I'm a woman. Lord, I, re- I read in the book of Genesis where Eve is the mother of everybody on planet Earth. You made me a woman. I want to experience motherhood too. And the Lord heard her crying. You know what? She had a child, one of the greatest prophets ever named Samuel. All right. Then we got a Shunammite woman. She also was barren and she wanted a kid. The Lord blessed her with a kid. A couple of years later, she had the kid. The kid died. So she went to the man of God and the man of God was like, hey, shoot a my woman. Man, where the boy at? And she started to talk to him how her son died. And he was like, man. And he was moved with such compassion because he knew that woman had prayed for that son. So he went back with her and he said, you know what? Let me go with you. So he got his stuff and he went back to where the boy was dead at. And he began to pray to the Lord, and the Lord raised that boy from the dead, from the dead, all right? There was another man named Naaman, wasn't even a believer, just somebody out there living in a whole other different country. But this little Israelite young lady, she was, uh, she was working there with his wife. And she told his wife, and every time Naaman would come in, and he would take off his beautiful garments, you know, he was a great warrior. He would take off his helmet and remove all of his stuff, and he would look in the mirror at himself, And he just hated what he saw. And his wife was like, I still love you, babe. He was like, yeah, but look at me. 
If everybody could see that I'm nothing but a leper, that I'm worthless. She said, you're a great warrior. He says, I am a leper. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And his wife went out the room and her little handmaid was listening to her. Her handmaid said, hey, there is a God in Israel that heals Jehovah Rapha. And she said, what are you talking about? She said, tell your husband to go to Elisha, the man of God. He works for my God. He works for my God. Go tell Naaman to talk to him. And I guarantee your husband to come back different. And she went to her husband and she pleaded with her husband. She said, please go. He's like, we are Assyrians. Do you think we're going to bow our knee to some God in Israel? We got a God over here that we serve. She said, please go. So Naaman goes, goes to the man of God. Man of God says, hey, go wash seven times in the water. So he goes to the River Jordan. He didn't want to, but eventually he goes. And it says that when he came out the seventh time, his skin was so smooth, it was almost like he was a baby again. God had healed him from leprosy. Then there is Elisha's tomb. Elisha was, he followed Elijah. There was such an anointing on his life that when he had died, they laid him in this tomb. Well, there's this war going on, and this man, he's fleeing from the enemy, and he's running as fast as he can, and he looks, and Elisha's tomb is there. So right before he goes in, he gets hit with this arrow, and he dies, and he falls into Elisha's tomb. And everybody that's sitting there is saying, oh, my goodness, man, he got it. He got shot. He falls, and they knew he was dead. But when he hit Elisha's bones, the anointing on Elisha's bones was so strong that next thing you know, that man got up. And he was healed, <laughs> went back off to fighting the war again. God had raised him from the dead, all right? Then there's another king named Hezekiah. The prophet went to Hezekiah. You ever go to the doctor, have somebody go to the doctor? And they come home real sad. They come home and they're, they're worse than what they were before they went to the doctor. Well, Hezekiah got a visit from a prophet. The prophet walked in and the king said, what's up, man of God? What's going on? The man of God said, hey... I'm just here to drop off a message. You'll be dead in a couple of months. Have a good day. And the man of God turned around and walked out. And Hezekiah, you know what? He didn't say a word. You know what he did? He turned his face to the wall, started to cry, and he prayed to God and said, God, whatever you do is okay with me. But you're Jehovah Rapha, you're a healer. And I know you could turn this thing around in my life. And before the prophet got a chance to get down the steps, the Lord said, go back and tell Hezekiah that I, I've healed him. And the prophet turns around. He goes back up the steps again. He says, Hezekiah. Hezekiah says, what's up? Hey, man, forget what I said. The Lord's going to give you 15 more years. Literally what's happening. All right. Then there's a, a, a Numbers chapter 16. People started complaining. God sent COVID-19. <laughs> Y'all know how many people passed away in COVID-19? Say a lot happened in numbers too. Also, there was another time where the people started complaining. So the Lord sent snakes. Y'all know how many people died then? A lot of people died. But you know what they did? They had to look to this little bronze thing. And they looked at it. They were healed. The next time David began to number the people. Sometimes you lose faith in your life. Sometimes you're going along and you're a believer and listen, to just live their life by faith, what they believe. I believe my God is going to take care of me. But David was stressed and he took his eyes off of God and he says, how many warriors do we have? And the man said, David, don't number the people. 
Remember, David, we live by faith. David was so stressed. You Sometimes you're going to get stressed in your life where you're going to look at your bank account and say, how much money do I have in the bank? But it's never about how much money you have in the bank. It's about the Lord our God. But David took his eyes off the Lord. There's a scripture that says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. But he took his eyes off the Lord and he put it on how many soldiers he had. And the Lord said, David, I'm going to give you uh, three choices. He says, you can either get three years, three months, or three days, but I'm killing somebody. That's what he told. He told David that. He said, I'm killing somebody because you don't have no faith, and I'm not going to have that in my house. The just live their life by faith. Everybody justified by the blood of the Lamb live their life by faith. David, you've got three choices. He says, you can either go into the enemy's hands, you can take a plague. I'm just killing somebody, he said. And David said, man, Lord, first of all, don't send me into my enemy's hands. Some of y'all got enemies, don't you? Mm-hmm. But you got people that don't like you just because of the color of your skin, just because of your nationality, just because you're male or female, just because you get better grades or you got things. People just don't like you. And he said, don't turn me over to them. He said, I just give myself to you, whatever you want to do. And I tell you right now, this huge angel comes and it's 70,000 people die. And David gives a sacrifice to the Lord. And he's sitting there and he said, Lord, because of my lack of faith, these 70 people are dead. And the Lord stops the plague. And we can go on and on and on. So when we get back to John chapter 5. And when Jesus starts to talk to these people and he says, you know what? I know that you don't believe that I belong to him and that he is my dad and that I am his son. You know, Isaiah, we talked about last week. He says, hey, I'm going to give you a sign. It says that a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and we will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. Something miraculous happened. This young lady, she was young. She didn't know a man, never been around a man, nothing. And next thing you know, she was pregnant with child and the Lord brought forth his own son into this world. And the Israel never believed it. They never knew it. Even though they studied the scriptures every day, they got that thing wrong. And I'm telling you, as we go through these scriptures over and over again, from Matthew all the way through John, all these hopeless situations, just like this man that's here today. There's a man who's impotent. He's helpless and powerless over the situation that he finds himself. Listen, he believes in his heart that all he has to do is get into the pool when the water is troubled. He says, that's all I got to do. Imagine not being able to walk or move. Maybe you're going to use your arms. I don't know what impotency could be. It doesn't have to be the physical. It could be emotional, where sometimes you just don't believe you're just as good as anybody else. And nobody, no matter what they say, they say, hey, man, AJ, you're just as good as any other man on this planet. Hey, young lady, you're just as good as any other woman on this planet. But when you look in the mirror like Naaman, you don't see just as good as anybody else. You see something else when you look in the mirror. So sometimes it's not physical healing that you need. Sometimes it's the emotional healing that you need because all of us are born into sin and shaped in iniquity. It means that we started off in Egypt and we needed somebody to save us. We needed somebody to turn our life around. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
Jehovah Rapha means that I am the God that heals you. The, I'm, listen, after verse 19, after Jesus says all this, it's argument after argument between him and the Pharisees about who he is. And he says, I don't need to prove to you anything. He says, you know the scriptures. You know my daddy. You know everything he did. Which one of y'all is raising the dead? He said, which one of y'all out here that claim to be believers has raised anybody from the dead? That's what he's asking them. He said, the only person that you attribute somebody being raised from the dead is God himself. So he comes right here. He says in verse 21, for as the father raises the dead, that's his last statement. Is that your final answer? Yes, Jesus said. He says, you know what? My father raised the dead. It's written in the scriptures. And quickeneth whoever he wants to. And he says, and the son quickeneth who he wants to. Jesus says, I'm going to make a decision on who I'm going to raise from the dead. And they're like, and then when you go back home and you begin to read these scriptures, or you begin to use your phone and you put the Bible app on it, and you push John, and you start to listen to John's testimony about the things that he saw. And you're going to get to the end of John and he's going to say, let me tell you this one thing. He said, all the books when I was living could not contain all the miracles that Jesus did. He said, I was there with him. I saw him do some things that were, it just didn't make no sense. I saw him walk on water. I saw him raise people from the dead. I saw, man, I, I was sitting there with him on this mountain and all of a sudden I wasn't on the mountain. And I'm telling you, I saw Moses and Elijah and they were having a conversation. John writes to you and I all the things that Jesus did that maybe you and I might believe. Maybe. Maybe. And you know what? We go back to that story about Abraham or the rich man and Lazarus. And Abraham says, says, please, man, if you just raise Lazarus from the dead, everybody will believe. And Abraham said, you know what? Even if one was raised from the dead, they won't believe. Could you imagine somebody died and four days later, that person sitting there eating dinner with everybody? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine it being a week later and all of a sudden Jesus comes up and raises somebody from the dead? And they're sitting there eating with you and your family. Could you imagine that? That's what John is trying to tell us that he saw with his own eyes. And even though somebody was raised from the dead, they still didn't believe. And that's the same problem that we have today. Is that people will always argue about who Jesus is. Jehovah Rapha, Genesis chapter 15, verse 26. I am the Lord your God who heals you. And I don't know what you're going through. Some of us, I talk to people about the soul. You got your physical, you got your spiritual, and then you got this thing called the soul. The soul feels like it's a whole nother you. You ever tell somebody that you're doing okay, but you're not doing okay? You ever tell somebody like, yo man, I'm all right. But they say, but I'm looking at you. You're not all right. I can see it in you. 
I can see it in you. I can see the hurt. I can see the pain. I can see the tears. Even though you ain't crying, something's broken in you. And you're like, I'm okay. Now you ain't okay. There's a place called the soul. And I'm telling you right now, that place right there, you can't hide nothing. Nothing is hid in your soul. Wait till somebody moves on that you love so much. And you tell yourself, well, you know, grandma was older. Grandpa, they're just older. They had to go. All of us are going to go. But the day you get to that funeral. Mm, and they begin to lay that person you love down. John, let me tell you something. There's something in your soul. Won't let them go. Some of y'all ain't been there yet. I've been there. Sheila's been there. Thomas has been there. Wait till you get there. And I'm telling you, you'll tell yourself, I'm okay. I'm a believer. Today, they'll be with him in paradise. Mary and Martha were with Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And they were like, I'm cool, Lord. I know we'll see them again in paradise. And Jesus said, what are you talking about? I make the decisions on who lives and who dies. And they said, Lord, I, I, I know. I know you do. I'm going to be okay. And Jesus begins to tear up, not because of them crying, because you and I don't believe that he's Jehovah Rapha, that he is the Lord our God that heals us. And he says, you know what? Enough of this nonsense. And he says, move the stone. They said, wait, 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 Jesus. I know you love my brother, but he's already stinking now. He says, move the stone out the way. And he cried with a loud voice and he said, Lazarus, come on, let's go to Friday night game. Come on, let's go to IHOP. Come on, let's go on back home. Come on, come on now, come on out, Lazarus. You know, the scripture beforehand said that he loved Mary, that he loved Martha, and that he loved Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, you know I love you, boy. Get on out here and stop playing. And Lazarus came out. And the whole town went crazy. The whole town could not believe it. It shut the whole. You thought the fair shut Mount Pleasant down? No, 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 no. When Lazarus came up out that grave, he said, Lucy, they cut the grave clothes off of him. And he said, hey, y'all, let's go to the fair. They were like, they were done. His sisters were done. But only a couple of people were saved. There was thousands of people that came to visit Lazarus and Jesus. But you know what? In the book of Acts, you know how many people were in the upper room? 120. There's, there's more people in churches here today than there was at, in the upper room. Do you all know that? Out of all the things Jesus did, you know, the biggest he could get was 120. He fed 5,000. But the most people that was there at his church was 120. Out of all he did was 120. That's amazing to me how God can come down here and we got people out here that aren't even serving him that have bigger churches than he did. But when it came to food, everybody showed up because he made some meat. He had some two fish and five loaves. I don't know what that would taste like. It must have had seasoning. It had butter on it and everything. 
Look, he had 5,000 men, not including the women and children. He said, the only reason why you're following me, the only reason why you're coming to church is because I made good fish and bread. And they left. And there was only 12 people with him. And he said, y'all going to leave too? And they said, nah, we ain't got no place else to go. We left everything for you. I gave up my job. <laughs> my wife, my kids, and everything traveling around here with you. <laughs> that's literally, that's literally the, that's, read the book. He said, okay, well, travel with me a little bit more. Let's go. Even if somebody was raised from the dead, they wouldn't believe. But Jesus says, I make the choice on who lives or who dies. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing how by the word of God. And if you believe it, he said, I haven't seen this much faith in all of Israel. It takes faith to move mountains. And I don't know what's in your life today that looks like a mountain, but I'm telling you, it takes faith to move mountains. You can't keep playing Nintendo. You can't keep watching the stories. The NFL ain't taking you nowhere. You're running home to watch the game. Spend some time with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today we're talking about like father, like son. The father is Genesis to Malachi as the father. And then he says, surely they'll receive my son. So he sent his only begotten son. But I'm telling you, they killed his son. They killed. We talked about that last week. They killed him. But it's going to be all right. You know what? He's coming back. And I pray that each and every one of us will be ready. All of us hear something different in this room. Everybody doesn't hear the same thing. If you go home and ask the person sitting there, what did you hear? Well, I heard him talk about kibbles and bits and the little dog and everything and how his dog is. That's, the, that's what I heard. I'm going to go outside and play with my dog. And somebody was like, did you hear about Jesus? I mean, I heard it. I'm going outside to play catch though, with my dog. That's how real it is. Everybody hears something different. Don't get mad at the person sitting next to you. <laughs> all right? Don't get mad and be like, that's all you heard? Here, Rover, you tripping. I'm going outside. It's a beautiful day. <laughs> Don't get mad. Don't get mad. Amen? Amen. That's all I got. Everybody standing. If you're here today, and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior. You always, you always can come up and receive Jesus as your personal savior. We're not Jesus, but we can help you say a prayer. Jesus can come into your life, all right? If you're out there and you don't have a church home and you got no place you can come hang out, you're always welcome to come out and hang out with us until you get a place. Thank you.